I say happy Christmas? I just did. I am well in festive mode. I've had people say this should be a Christmas pudding. For those of you, no, it's fine. For those of you who don't know and are listening online, there's a five-month-old bump in front. So there should be a Christmas pudding, perhaps. So if anyone can find one, I'll, I'll wear it on Christmas Day. Um, yeah, so like Ben said, we are starting with the wise men, which might seem like a bit of a strange point to start, but I figured they've got a long journey. So we'll give them a head start. So that's where we are today. We're looking at the wise men. And um, a lot of people wonder about who the wise men actually were. There's been a lot of sort of speculation and research on as to who these wise men were. Were they kings, as we sometimes sing about? Or were they, we call who were wise? Um, I did a little bit of research. I went to the trusted site of Wikipedia. I know. And um, I found out, though, that... Um, which are quite, I quite like. So these people, there's, again, a theory that these wise men were known as, hold up, it's, it's a weird word, Zoroasters. Who knew? And Zoroasters were um, astrologers. They weren't sorcerers. They weren't into sort of the mystics and magic. They were, they were astrologers who read the stars and then decided what was happening or what would happen based on what they saw in the sky. Um, a common belief is that they, were, um, li- they came from the region of Arabia, which is east of Bethlehem. And um, that's modern-day Iraq, Iran, um, Saudi Arabia, or the Yemen. And I pulled up Google Maps, and it's quite a trek if you're going to travel from the Yemen, like the bottom of it. You, there's no like direct route. You have to kind of go up and around some sea to Bethlehem. It's a long way. Um, But these gentlemen, these Zoroasters, these wise men, they were also, because they were wise, because they um, were intellectual, they also came with um, a high social status. They were probably quite rich. They were quite influential. People, if they turned up, people were like, very important person here. So that's perhaps where we get the um, idea of them being kings. Um, But they were very, very important people in their time, in their area, and beyond their borders. So that's who they are, and that's who I've decided they are, and that's who we're going to sort of work on them being for the purpose of this message. Um, The wise men's story, I've read it, it only appears once in one of the Gospels. Um, But the wise men's story, as I've read it this uh, in the Christmas story. No one showed up and told them about it, that Jesus was born. There was no angel. There was no heavenly chorus in the sky telling them and pointing them towards Jesus and Bethlehem. They found out about him through their own personal study. So, which meant they weren't waiting or looking for the Messiah. They were just people who, through their own personal study, found out something significant and decided, for whatever reason, that they wanted to go and find out about it. It was worth them going on a long journey to find this newborn king of the Jews that the stars had told them about. So they didn't have any faith at that point, as, again, as far as I can read or discern. They didn't have any faith in
today. We're going to go, I hope you brought your walking boots. I did. I have walked down today from my house. So we're going to go on a journey with them as they traveled from where they were to finding Jesus. We're going to go with them and we're going to go through all the different stops and stages and perhaps what, it, what went into that journey. Because I believe that this journey that they went on can actually be something that can encourage all of us on, a way, on our way to finding hope this morning or finding hope at Christmas. I don't know if you have found hope in Jesus already or not. I have and it is the most amazing thing. But you might be new to Jesus or to hope and in Jesus or perhaps you have hope in Jesus but in your current set of circumstances you need to be reminded of that hope or you need to find hope in those circumstances and if you're in a perfectly jolly festive place then you can be ready when you need to find hope so that's where we're going so like I said it only appears in one of the gospels it's in Matthew and so we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and it is on the screens. So it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he, sent, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me so that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. That's why I chose this verse. Exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him to gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So that's the story of the wise men. So, like I said, we're going to go on a journey with them. And any journey has a starting point, by definition. Every journey starts somewhere. We don't know exactly where their journey started, because we don't know which, perhaps, country or you know, specific area. But they had a starting point. So my first point is the starting point, it is home, wherever home is for you. It's, your, it's base camp, it's where you're going to start your journey from. And any journey, by definition, again, involves you being prepared to leave where you are, to go. You have to be willing to leave your current set of circumstances, whatever they might be, whether it's a physical place 
or it's a mindset or it's an emotion. You have to be prepared to leave that place to go on a journey. Otherwise, there's no journey. The destination, in other words, has to be worth leaving home for. And we don't know why they decided to leave. We, they saw a star and they decided that actually it was worth their journey, worth their time. Because this would have been a long journey. It could have been months. They would have crossed borders. They would have had to have packed camels and water and food and all this and all the, the gifts as well that went with them. They would have had to put preparation in. And for some reason, they decided that this was a worthwhile journey whether it was just pure curiosity or whether they believed or saw something significant in the star that they had noticed. And some people think that the star might be a, um, like an asteroid or a comet, but for whatever reason, it stood out in their study and they decided it was worth their while going. Some journeys are spontaneous. They might be like the shepherds who, after their, the angels had appeared to them, they decided, no, we're going to go. Let's go and find Jesus. Let's go and find the Messiah. But some, journey, some journeys are lastminute.com. Some are like, we've got to go. It's an emergency. And yours might be, and that's okay, you might decide today that actually a sense, there's an urge in you that actually you want to turn your life around. Or in your current set of circumstances, you need to change your direction and go on a new journey. That might be you today. But the wise men planned to travel. And anyone planning a long journey knows that you, have to, you, that you have to prepare certain things. So when Ben and Steffi go on a road trip, um, like so often we travel, our families don't live in Stoke, so mine are 200 miles down south, and we're doing this journey in a couple of weeks. Um, we obviously have to plan for that, or I plan for that. Um, so, obviously, so Ben has one job. If it's bin day on Monday, bins go out. That's Ben's job. So um, obviously you, you sort of turn all the plugs off, we um, make sure the curtains are closed, the doors are locked, we have to uh, make sure there's petrol in the car, useful. There must be snacks to keep the driver, Ben, happy. Ben's a bad passenger, so Ben drives until he gets tired and then I take over. So there have to be snacks, there has to be water, cold water, not lukewarm water, Ben likes cold water, there has to be cold water. There has to be a Spotify playlist or the latest on Spotify ready for the, uh, ready for the music. And then there have to be some presents. If we're going to see our nephews, there must be a kinder surprise for Sebastian. There must be. It's, 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 he's quite happy with a kinder surprise. It's when it starts to get expensive or start to worry. But um, right now, it's a kinder surprise. And I do know that in a few months' time, this list will get quite more extensive. So don't worry, I'm not naive to that fact. But um, the wise men, bringing it back to the story, the wise men, as their social status would have suggested, so like I said, they were probably quite rich, quite wealthy, very well-known, very intellectual, highly regarded. They would have had an entourage, I can imagine. They wouldn't have just travelled on their own, driving their own camel. They wouldn't have done that. I was about to say car. They don't have cars. Um, they would have had an entourage. They would have put, like, Beyonce to shame, I can They would have had probably servants with them. They'd need to be looked after. They would have, they would took their treasures with them for whatever came on the journey. They had all their food, their water. They had to plan to cross borders. 
etc. They were prepared. Preparation would have been key. And in some beautiful God coincidence, like I said, they might not have known that they were meeting the Son of God, the Messiah. They thought they were going to meet another king. But they brought those gifts that we've They talked about frankincense, which is an incense, which points to him being the high priest. And they brought myrrh, which is a very bizarre present to bring a baby. I don't want myrrh. I do not want it. Because it's all about embalming and preparing people for burial. You can leave the myrrh. I think of how their, their world, their study, their understanding lined up with God's purpose for why they took their journey in the first place. Because as much as they gave those gifts, Mary had to receive them as well, and it encouraged her. So I love how God uses our world sometimes just to sort of point us in the right direction and keep us on track. So this Christmas, is there a journey that you want to go on? Is there a journey you need to go on? Or if you haven't thought about it, is there a journey you can go on? Perhaps you need to take some time to prepare. That might not be necessarily physically packing to go somewhere, but you might want to create some space in your life, get some resources, have a conversation. Say, I think I need to go somewhere in my life. I don't know what that looks like, but I need to go on this journey. So I want to get ready for it. But let me tell you, the destination is worth it. It is worth leaving home for. Whatever home is right now, it is worth your while leaving. Because the destination of hope in Jesus is 100% worth the preparation. So they've left home. They've departed. They are on their way. And like any long journey, again, using our illustration of traveling down south, you need a pit stop. You need a pit stop. And Jerusalem was the wise men's service station. But they didn't think that it was their service station. They didn't see Cherwell Valley services on the M40, which is our service station of choice. They didn't see that one. They thought that actually they were in Jerusalem. They'd arrived. They thought their service station was their destination. They would have been welcomed at court, probably, because, again, they were very wealthy, very, um, you know, no, they were known beyond their borders. They were clearly quite rich, so good people to her. Welcome into your courts. They, um, they were welcomed in, and they thought they were, they'd arrived. They thought they were here. And so they turned up, and they asked a really obvious question in Jerusalem with a really obvious answer, which is in the next verse, Maya, which is in verse 2. worship him it's because they saw the star that says there's a newborn king of that's where they decided to go and I would love to have been a fly on the wall at this moment when King Herod goes um what do you drink like trying to sort of save face in front of these really important people that have turned up to visit. And he's like, 
What new king? It says that he was puzzled and all Jerusalem with him. I would have loved to have been there just to see. But eventually, following the fastest zero AD Google search you can, his advisors quoted the prophet Micah. And it says in Micah 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from, oh, from everlasting. So, again, fly on the wall moment. Why, why they've hidden the newborn king of the Jews in a back town in, called Bethlehem, and they haven't kept him in Jerusalem. I can, I can imagine national security. It was important to keep him safe. But have you ever found yourself on a journey or think, you know, in answer to some of life's big questions, thinking you've made it? thinking that you've got there, thinking that you've arrived, because the surroundings are comfortable. Like, it's, it's palatial, it feels nice, all my needs are met here, this is wonderful. You know, they, the wise men have turned up in Jerusalem. Given servants, they would have been welcomed at dinner, the, the best seats in the house, whatever you want, you know, because these guys were incredibly important people. Do you ever think that sometimes you've made it because it feels so nice to be here, but actually you're at a service station? Destination is always worth it. Sometimes we need a comfort break in every sense of the word because sometimes the journey is a tough one, especially if it's something deep within us that has to change, especially if it's something radical especially if it's behavior that we're looking to rectify or if it's, you know, a, you know, it's a massive life change. And turning from where you've been walking on your own to walking with Jesus, perhaps that can be a, a difficult transition. Communicate with people, how you live your life, it's completely different. And so sometimes God, who is not cruel, he is a gentleman, gives you a comfort stop. He gives you a Jerusalem. He lets you recoup, recharge, and get ready for the next step on your journey. So maybe you're currently in a service station. And I'd hate to disappoint you if, if you feel like you're quite comfortable, but that might not be the destination. You might, there might be more for you, which is really exciting. So enjoy the season. Enjoy resting. Enjoy recouping, enjoy recharging, enjoy the season of learning and growing in your faith, in your hope, because at some point God will go, it's time to get going again, there's more for you. And perhaps you haven't thought about it that way, perhaps you're in need of a comfort stop, perhaps you need to pull off the road and use Christmas as your comfort stop, as your service station, to just relax to remind yourself of what's important, to get back on track, to realign your journey, to go and consider the sat-nav again and just check that we haven't gone completely off course. But perhaps you need a comfort break this Christmas. Why don't we all just rest and recharge? Use Christmas for what it is. 
all the offices tend to shut down. So, you know, it's a quieter time. Schools are out. Let's just enjoy. And we'll know when it's time to get going again, just like the wise men did, because often there's a sign. And for the, be- for the wise men, the star reappears. And I have noticed, I think I always thought, when I was growing up and reading the Christmas story, that there was always a star. There was always a star in the sky, and the wise men just followed this star. But actually, when I've read the story, the star isn't always there. And again, perhaps sometimes we get off course because we've lost track of where we perhaps thought we were heading. So, but God always brings us back on track. The star reappears and we arrive at our destination. And for the wise men, nine says, when they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And then it goes on and it says that when they saw the star, they were filled with exceedingly great joy. It's like, oh, what a relief. We're still on the right track. So remember, there might be a sign and it might be a person. It might be something you read. It might be something you hear. It might be just something you feel like Holy Spirit is prompting you in, in your spirit, your gut feeling that you're on right track or you need to just come this way. But God will always let you know. But I love how, again, the word of God aligned with their understanding, their world. So their study of the stars, God uses that. And sometimes God uses the most bizarre and irreligious ways to speak to us. And again, I'm going to like share a little story. But it's, again, it's a, and it might seem a little bit macabre, but actually God uses these things to encourage us and to remind us that there is more to remind us that this isn't the end, that even in a hopeless situation, there is still hope for you if you choose to keep on going. So, obviously, so like I mentioned at the start, we are expecting our first baby, which is very exciting and very bizarre, and a whole new world has opened up to us. But um, our journey to starting a family started a few years ago and um, for medical reasons, we were told that actually we shouldn't, we should have to wait. So we decided, or we decided, we followed the doctor's orders and we waited. So during that time, whilst we were waiting, we got a cat. And we called our cat Misty. And then we've, Ben, who's prepared the slides, Misty. So we had Misty. She was the best cat. I'm sorry. But she was and I say was, deliberately, she was the best cat. We had her for nearly two years. And resolved, praise God, brilliant. So, which was, so we were allowed to begin trying for a baby. And six months after that green light, we lost Misty. I know. And we were absolutely devastated. We were really, really very, very sad. And I think some people thought we were a bit weird for mourning our cat to the extent we did. But we really were very, very sad because she was part of our family. She was um, an extension of who we are. And um, once we sort of, we'd got over Misty for a while, Ben was like, can we get another cat? Can we have another cat, please? And I was like, I really felt that actually God was saying, no, you're going to have a child first. Um, 
so, and not long after again, we uh, lost Misty. Weird way prepared us for having kids. Now, don't laugh. It's not about like the cleaning up of the poop. What I think she actually did was, what I actually think she did was she, no, no, go with me. Because I know what you're all thinking. You're like, you have no idea. Oh, bless you. Your world's going to have a collide. No. What, it's gonna, what I think she did was she taught us an emotional attachment for another being. She taught us to have a sense of responsibility. So I think it's a point. It's a point, okay? Do you all just need to get it out of your system? For those listening online, I'm getting lots of laughter and lots of, like, pitying faces are pointing at me. I'm choosing to... Who was who looked to us for, to be fed and watered. We were, and we've sort of felt that feeling of responsibility. So that's what we, that's what I think she taught us. It's a good point. If you take nothing else away from today, cats can, can prepare you for children in some bizarre way. Oh, you'll have me back. Brilliant. <laughs> After that, you'll have me back. That's good. Okay. See, there's grace for every situation. But anyway, we received our good news not long after we had Misty. And I think we will get another cat eventually. But, you know, we'll have our child first. Is he trying to lead you? Is he speaking to you? Sometimes in the hope, most hopeless of circumstances... You need to take encouragement that actually this isn't it. Remember, this isn't the destination. It's just a reminder that actually sometimes we just need to keep on track. And it's God's way of just pointing us back in the right direction. You're, ju you're just on the journey. But the destination at the end of the journey is 100% worth it. And I can only imagine the, uh, the awkwardness of the meeting when these wise men eventually knock on the door of this house where Mary is. We can imagine, I assume, because Joseph isn't mentioned, he was out at work. Mary was at home caring for Jesus. I can just imagine the awkwardness of, like, these wise men with their entourage, remember, with their rich robes, with all their, you know, pomp and ceremony, knocking on the door of this peasant girl's house. And she's like, uh, hello. I can, like, in a few months' time, this is going to be like the Sultan of Brunei just turning up at my house. And I'm going to be like, uh, hello, welcome. But still, what a wonderful and significant moment for both parties. Matthew 2, 11 says, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, presenting those gifts, and Mary would have been like, what? thank you, where are the pampers? Where's like the, you know, the frozen meals for the fridge? But, but uh, she's like, thank you. But their journey was over. They had arrived. Now, I don't think that they perhaps arrived where they thought they were heading to. I, again, they thought that Jerusalem was their destination, the palatial, the comfortable, the grand the, you know, this is what 
sometimes when we get to our destination, it doesn't feel like or look like what we thought it was going to be. But actually, it is where God would have us be. And it's in those places, whether it feels like it or looks like it or not, those places house hope. And the wise men found hope. They found what they had set out to search for. They had found the newborn king of the Jews. Their preparations had paid off. The destination was worth it. Circumstances. Remember or be reminded that when you get there, it might not look like or feel like what you thought it would be. Life doesn't, for those of you who perhaps aren't Christians yet, you haven't found that hope in Jesus, but you can. Life doesn't suddenly become rosy. I'm not going to, I don't want to sort of disappoint you here, but life doesn't become perfect because we still live in a world where bad things happen. But actually, we have hope in those those situations. We can look at circumstances with, through the eyes of hope, through the eyes of our new faith in Jesus. You'll And so, their death, they'd met their death, they'd come to their destination, they'd arrived. But, like so many people in the Bible who have encountered Jesus in his lifetime on earth, after the encounter, it's time to go home. Except this time, the wise men went with hope. And up until this point, God had used what they'd known to lead people, to lead them to that destination. He'd used the star. He had used their influence. He had used their intellect and their knowledge to guide them to where he would have them arrive. He'd had, he, used the, he used their study to get them to Jesus. But, but now, when we read the next verse, we see the first similarity between the wise men's story and the rest of the characters. Matthew 2, verse 12 says, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So up until this point, they had used their study and their knowledge and what they had to get them to finding Jesus. And God had used that and led them. But now, now that they had encountered Jesus, they had a heavenly encounter that told them to go home a different way. Whether it was an angel or God speaking to them, we don't know. But it said they were divinely warned. This is their first, the first similarity. They were changed. They had been in the presence of God. And they now had an established connection with God. Their destination, home, in this new journey, was the same. But they didn't have to go the same way they came. They, ha- they could go a different way, just as they were different. They went with hope. They went with an established connection with God. And they went knowing that he had told them which way to go. Once you have encountered Jesus, whether it's for the remind yourself you have an established connection with Jesus, with the Messiah, with God. You don't need to rely on the old ways of getting through life. 
You don't need to rely on your social status, on your wealth, on your intellect, on who and what you know, on you, yourself and I. You have an established connection with the King of Kings. You have hope for every circumstance. You don't have to go back the same way you came. You can go back different. to be found this Christmas? Do you know the source of hope at all? If not, your journey can begin today. That's the good news. Your journey can be in lastminute.com, a quick, no, I'm going to go, let's go, spontaneous. Or perhaps you've been offered this gift of hope many times over and you haven't actually accepted it and decided to go on this journey. Don't put it off. Let me remind you the destination comparison to knowing who Jesus is. And maybe you just need to be reminded that And so at this Christmas time, reconnect yourself with hope, create some space and let yourself be reminded actually you don't journey alone, you journey with him. So let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that God, you are the you or have some kind of knowledge of who you are, I pray that we would all be reminded that we can have an established connection with hope this Christmas time. I pray that God, we would consider going on a journey to knowing you, to discovering who you are, whether for the first time or in our circumstances, that we'd be prepared to create space. We would be prepared not to settle for the comfortable, but God, to continue journeying because God, with you, where we journey to, that, that destination of hope, of peace, of love and joy, God, is so worth it. Would you remind us on the journey that, God, we are on a journey and if we keep on going, we will arrive to that place where you have prepared for us. I thank you for every person here, God. I pray that you would encourage us in our week. I pray that we would go with hope that God, whatever, however we arrived this morning, we would leave a different way with hope.